to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everyone, boys and girls. You are all my Valentines here on my bloody podcast. This is episode 80, a milestone. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the sweetest Valentine in the whole world who I want who I want to hold every part of his body <laughs> on Valentine's Day. The bloody man himself, Preston Barta. Will you be my Valentine? Uh, yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll do that because uh, that also Valentine's Day actually happens to be the same day that I asked my wife to be my girlfriend. So, and that was ten years ago this year. So there will have to be a death match between you two, I guess. Oh well, I, I will start preparing now, but I figure I'm no match. That is true. <laughs> that is true, man. Eighty Chills. episodes, dude. Eighty episodes. What do you think? The same thing I think every time, Pinky. Um, no, it, it's it's exciting. I was thinking about it. I was like, how long have you been doing this? Is it, is it 2017? When did we start? Something like that. Oh, is it 17? Oh, it's 2020. We've we been doing this three years. <laughs> I can't remember if, if we, no, it had to been like 2018. Yeah. I think we started like at the beginning, whenever Killer Clowns from Outer Space came out. Oh my goodness. it's it's been It's been a while. It's 80, 80 episodes. And what better way to bring in episode 80 on Valentine's Day than with like basically the name of our podcast, right? Yeah. Can't believe it's taken us this long to do it. I know. We're, we're going to be talking about our main event today, 1981's My Bloody Valentine. You know what? I think we need to make a horror movie called My Bloody Podcast. <laughs> and it's about <laughs> like podcast studio with killings and shit. Yeah, I think it would be a good one. I think that and would is, awesome. is it only going to be – should we just do like a – podcast adaptation first <laughs> yes we should we should do like a little mystery series yarn and then that will because that, <laughs> that, that would just be funny and confusing for film writers to write about like uh the movie is called my bloody podcast which is based on a podcast episode called my bloody podcast on the podcast called my bloody podcast it's like inception we need to go deeper <laughs> yep so yes we're gonna be talking about bloody my bloody valentine from 1981 uh later in the show it is valentine's day we're eating uh hearts uh chalky hearts with writings on them cookies chocolates teddy bears all that good stuff we've got bloody tunes We've got bloody recommendations and the bloody question. But first up, 
bloody bits of news. And it's a very fun news day and news week for us here, Valentine's Week. First off, we're going to be talking about the new Spiral trailer, motherfucker. You want to play games, motherfucker? I'm excited about this. Spiral, if you haven't seen the trailer, go check YouTube right now for it. Spiral trailer. We talked about this a few months ago on the podcast where we couldn't believe, like we never thought we would say these words, but Chris Rock is involved in a Saw movie. Yes, like Jigsaw. Like, do you want to play a game? I want to play a game. Yes, Chris Rock. And it's this movie, Spiral, that takes place within the Saw universe. Chris Rock stars in it. He produced it. And Samuel Jackson's in the movie. And in the trailer, he does his... I mean, he has a gimmick now. You want to play games, motherfucker? And... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so, Preston, the trailer, you watched it, right? Of course. Okay, yeah, of course. As soon as it dropped. Yes, and it, it actually looks good. It looks like, you know, a pair of detectives, including Chris Rock and maybe Sam Jackson, and they're investigating a murder, uh, and it looks like somebody's killing police officers and cops across town, and this killer leaves, like, an insignia, which is, like, a red spiral, and... The trailer actually looks good. It looks a lot like Seven, actually. and Yeah, like uh, very much like something David Fincher has done. Like really well shot, some good lighting, and some camera tricks that lean into that spiral name. Because there's like a, a slow tilt of the camera on some of those shots. It looks like they put some serious effort into this. I would imagine Chris Rock's going to put effort into it. So I'm, I'm excited about this. And, you know, when it says takes place in the Saw universe, we see a like a really quick clip of Chris Rock chained to like a gross bathroom and in a bathtub with like the handsaw. And I'm like, oh, just from the first movie. And then, of course, the best part of the trailer, Sam Jackson yells, you want to play a game, motherfucker? You want to play games, motherfucker? <laughs> and it's in the trailer and it's, i'm just so excited i hope they leave that in the movie and if it takes place in the saw universe i'm curious if it's just you know in another part of the u.s or if it's in the same kind of location that jigsaw did if it's like a disciple or a copycat or if they're going to tie in jigsaw as well somewhere somehow and just... yeah i was wondering what the timeline was because the the first the car that they're in in the very beginning is like an older car but then later on it shows like a new mustang or some new car i i'm curious yeah like, like press said we're curious on like timeline like does it take place like after jigsaw or will it take place like after the first saw movie or is it just like present day and we just acknowledge that jigsaw happened because there's been i think eight saw movies basically and so this new one called spiral i I like the this direction they're going and i I, i'm hoping for the best because the trailer really intrigues me (sighs) well there you go spiral check it out um the the trailer's like a minute in 10 seconds so i'm sure there will be like a two and a half three minute trailer coming out soon but i don't need to see it i just want i just saw that one and i i will be there i am super excited about that when is it coming out um, the spiral, uh, when does that come out? I am actually not quite sure when that comes out, but I, is it this summer? I can't imagine it being, uh, oh, oh, I shouldn't know it because it comes out on my birthday, May 15th, 2020. 
So when I turn 30... This movie comes out on your birthday. Hell yeah. So Preston will have a great birthday and a great podcast to talk about on his birthday (laughs) this year. Turning 30! Oh my goodness, you old bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. Yeah, it's true. I'm like 10 years older. Uh, Okay, moving on from Spiral. We love you, Chris Rock. Uh, Let's talk about a very crazy interesting badass piece of news that just got me giddy and excited in all the perfect ways all over my valentine body dr strange 2 we know dr strange 2 is coming it's called what in the mouth of madness or something like that (laughs) yeah we're gonna get it confused with the john carpenter film Right. <laughs> so, Doctor Strange 2, the Marvel... It's in the multiverse of madness. Yeah, in the multiverse of madness, we've heard about this coming, and we heard that it's going to be like a straight horror film. And then they had the original directors and writers aboard, uh, Scott Derrickson and Robert Cargill. Cargill, yes. Uh, and then... All of a sudden, they up and left the production. I guess they just had creative differences. They didn't want to do it. Whatever, they weren't meshing well, and they have announced a new director for this horror movie in the Marvel Universe. Coming back to the Marvel Universe, actually. Holy shit, Sam Raimi himself, Evil Dead Maestro. Oh my god, coming back to Marvel, directing Doctor Strange 2. I'm so excited about this because Sam Raimi, I feel like, just hasn't... He's been around, but I just don't feel like he hasn't done anything super great in a long time, even though I just... Ten years. Yeah, I know. Uh, And he's coming back to this, which means we'll see the classic car and hopefully Bruce Campbell in the Marvel MCU. Finally, the actual MCU, not the first three Spider-Man movies. Right. Yeah, this is exciting because... I don't know. I guess I didn't mention it to you, but at least Col- uh, James Cole Clay and I, friend of the show, have been uh, talking about it, especially after the news dropped. We were so devastated by it because just the concept of a Marvel movie going into the horror realm is I- immensely exciting. Um, I mean, go figure. We're big fans of horror on this show, but also I've become a big fan of Dr. Strange, uh, especially over repeat viewings. I love uh, the first movie. I think when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then over the years, especially after watching like infinity war and Endgame, mainly just infinity war. Cause he was like the MVP of that to me. I've, grown to really appreciate that character quite a bit and uh have watched doctor strange a lot i I think its first act is kind of shitty and then the second one gets a little better and the third one is just killer for me and with scott derrickson coming from like a horror background with doing the sinister movies with cargill uh it was just so promising and so after the news came out I was pissed, and I was like, who else can really do that? And then Cole and I were talking, and I was like, it has to be Sam Raimi. Like, Sam Raimi is the only guy that could that we would feel most excited about coming into this uh, director's chair. And it happened. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely excited about this. Uh, just, just curious to what he can do with the character and what – what they're going to do with the original script, uh, I, I don't know. Have they talked a little any more about the writers going to be? Like, I, don't, I have no idea. So I'm curious to know like what's going to change from there. 
No, I don't. I don't think there's going to be. Uh, I, I, I don't think. I, I don't think they've added any information other than Sam Raimi coming aboard this project, which is huge because remember, Sam Raimi was our first big Marvel dude. Like he brought us Spider Man one with Tobey Maguire and two and three. three. Yeah, but two's and, great. Yeah, so it's it's coming back and like you know it will receive a gigantic crowd pop if spider-man shows up in doctor strange 2 (laughs) and it would be sam raimi coming back to the spider-man franchise oh my goodness how cool would that be uh yeah and it's toby mcguire because they're going into the multiverse right right so that would how crazy would that be how fun would that be so sam raimi coming aboard this horror film in the mcu big budget i i mean i like him better with low budget stuff but i mean hell he did so well with Spider-Man 1 and 2 and a lot of his other films, but horror is his mainstay. And you just know the classic car is going to be in there. And yeah, this is what it's like with horror. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and Bruce Campbell will probably show up. I'm just excited about this. So good for you, Sam Raimi. We will update everybody on the coming news as far as like if they're sticking with the original script, if they're bringing aboard new writers, new casting, we will update you all about that. But yes, Sam Raimi, Doctor Strange 2, the, was it Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, there you go, in the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> yeah, just one one word change. Yes, there you go. Uh, all right, moving on to another a film that's coming out soon. It's a documentary called The Mothman Legacy. I believe a lot of us saw The Mothman Prophecy uh, with Richard Gere all those years ago, and that was actually a pretty scary movie. So uh, there's a new trailer for this documentary uh, from documentarian Seth Breedlove that basically talks about this Mothman that's been sighted in West Virginia for years. Uh, and I'm very excited about this because that the Mo- the Mothman thing scares me. <laughs> and that movie scared me and still kind of like creeps me out quite a bit. So I'm real that the trailer is really good for it because it features like a lot of interviews from people who are still saying they saw this creature. Uh, I, I don't know. Did, did you watch this? I feel like this is right up your alley, Preston. I actually haven't watched it. So, um, yeah, you'll have to fill me in and I'll have to watch it later. You should definitely watch this trailer because um, the I guess what they comprised of is like a bunch of eyewitness interviews of uh, that are in the movie. And they talk about the encounters with the Mothman. So I'm I'm imagining like there's going to be some like kind of horrific experiences that they'll tell out, and then maybe they'll dramatize here. But yeah, yeah. the Mothman was like a 1960s thing back in West Virginia, where this creature would appear before a big tragedy. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, pretty crazy uh and it looks the the trailer looks really good so i am in look out look up the mothman legacy so what is it coming from like is it going to be on a streaming service or is it going to theaters so i'm not sure right now they're they are finishing up i think the film and they're they have a kickstarter right now that'll go through uh 
the end of the month to finish it up. Uh, so I'm hoping that one of the streaming service picks it up, but I don't think anything is yet. But judging by the amazing poster and the trailer, I think uh, I, I, I think you might like it, um, and people should see it because I. The Mothman Prophecy, I'm not one for remakes, but if they redid this or did something like this, I'm all in. I like this type of stuff. So I'm in Mothman Legacy. All right, moving on. A couple weeks ago, we had the uh, fantastic composer Nathan Johnson on. We talked about Knives Out. uh, And it turns out, with Knives Out, they are making a sequel, a well-deserved sequel to Knives Out. It just was announced. We had to mention that since we had... Uh, one of the people from the film on our podcast. So Knives Out sequel is coming. It's been announced. It is happening. Are you excited, Preston? Knives Out again. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Knives Out into darkness. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to call it, if they're going to do that whole subtitle thing to a, a, knives, a knives Out story. <laughs> um, yeah, this is exciting. Uh, I mean, as we expressed on that show... With Nathan Johnson, the composer, we're, we're big fans of Ryan Johnson and the fact that he's coming back uh, doing some more stories with what's his what's his character's name? Uh, Blanc or Blanc. Yeah. 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 And I love Daniel Craig in that role. He needs something that has that looks like he's having fun and he it looks like he had fun doing Knives Out. And so, yeah, this is uh, also very, very exciting. Um, I'm glad that the studio officially announced that it's happening. This is, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Right, right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited and hopefully everybody's back on board or I don't know if they'll just... I think it's going to be, yeah, a new cast, new new location. All right. So, yeah, he'll have to think of something else other than having a uh, vomiting Watson uh, this time. (laughs) Yes. It'll be like a diarrhea thing maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ryan, we will get you on this show with your cousin, Nathan, at some point. But we're excited Knives Out sequel is coming. Uh, and uh, our, let's let's move on to... So every year, Preston... I, I'm curious on how long this will last since Preston is getting way older every year. <laughs> but yeah. he goes to South by Southwest, the gigantic film festival in Austin every year. And this week they announced all the, or a lot of their horror titles that they'll be screened. Second wave. Yeah, their second yeah. wave, yeah. Um, for their Midnighters and stuff. So Preston, are there a couple, two or three horror movies you're really looking forward to that they have announced? Yeah, there's a few that I've heard good things from other festivals. Um, one of them played at the Sundance Film Festival and got uh, good reviews, and the other one played at uh, the TIFF, uh, Toronto Inter- International Film Festival's Midnight Section. And um, so the first one uh, comes from Australian horror filmmaker uh, Natalie Erica James, Um and her film is called Relic, not to be confused with the 90s uh, film of the same title. Was that a but, Guillermo del Toro movie, Relic? <clears throat> he no. did uh, Mimic. Mimic, Mimic, that's right. Yeah, so one of those icks. Um, this this one, uh, I guess the two, the two films that stick out to me deal with um, entities, like ghosts. Um, Relic is about a... Uh, 
like th- think of hereditary. Uh, so like an elderly woman, uh, the, the matriarch of the family, uh, she goes missing, not dead at the start. Um, and so the, the daughter and the granddaughter, uh, travel to the, the grandmother's, uh, remote family home. <clears throat> and then they start to discover a sinister presence is haunting the house and taking control of their grandmother. So, um, very, that, that tends to be the thing with a lot of these uh, midnight films that play at like South by and fantastic fest. You read the log line. They always sound like the same because they want to hold their secrets. Um, so you read this and you may think, Hey, this doesn't sound exactly original, but um, there's it, at a certain point it deviates from the formula and has a fresh take. So th- according to a lot of reviews, uh, Relic is one to see, so I'm excited about that one. And it has a good cast too, like Emily Mortimer and uh, Bella Heathcote. Um, so that one should be good. The other one is The Virgil. Um, this one, uh, again, played at uh, the Toronto Inter- International Film Festival. And this one is about a uh, man who provides over an overnight watch to a deceased member of his former Orthodox Jewish community and finds himself opposite a malevolent entity. Um, this one also has been described as a, a fresh take on the religious and demonic possession horror film genre. So uh, those are the two that uh, stick out to me. There's a few others where I have to do some more digging and uh, look at photos and casts and a lot of the casts you don't really know, but their their stories seem interesting. Uh, one is called uh, the Toll, and it's about a uh, this super terrifying supernatural being called the Toll Man. So you got to pay the troll toll. <laughs> the troll toll, uh, starring Adam Sandler, the Toll Man, Toll Booth Willie, yeah, or Dennis. Um, <clears throat> And uh, there's one called Yummy coming from Belgium um, that's about a a couple who travels to an Eastern European hospital for a cheap plastic surgery, but they get stuck in the middle of a zombie outbreak. So, um, yeah, a lot of these, you're just taking it. It's a gamble. Um, Cole and I uh, and and my other friend Chance Maggard, who, who we go every year, um, we've been going since 2013. <clears throat> um, we we haven't seen too many like horror films that really have stuck out over the years. Movies like The Guest played there, but they weren't quite on our radar until like Fantastic Fest. Um, so things can happen. There, there there could be a hidden gem in here. Um, but if the the two films that have already played that I've discussed have already gotten some good uh, traction. Those are the ones to at least th- those are your safe bets. The other ones you can just kind of um, put your ear to the ground or take your chances. But um, man, we've seen some stinkers over the years and that's usually the slot where we uh, walk out of. We'll sit in the back of the theater and then we'll give it about 15 minutes. And if it sucks, we'll walk. And that happened with the uh, the movie that I think of the most is the Diab- Diabolical. Man, that movie sucked, and we left during that one. <laughs> Felt pretty bad too. We sat right in front of the filmmakers. Oh, uh, I've been there but, before. But, but man, <laughs> but the, the movie's so bad it pisses you off. You have every right to leave. 
Well, there you go. There you go. So- South by Southwest. When you said the Virgil, I was like, are you talking about the uh, WCW, WWF wrestler <laughs> Virgil? <laughs> of course, that's what you would think of. Oh, right. um, this one doesn't tie to horror, but this is the number one film that I'm excited about. I always get excited about the retro releases that they do. And they've done some like incredibly big ones over the years. Like in 2015, they did Road Warrior. They did a 4K cut of that. And, um, and then they showed footage, like 15 minutes of Mad Max Fury Road before it came out. And then we went to uh, Alien, and they uh, showed footage from Alien Covenant. Um, so there, there's a lot of fun opportunities like that. And I'm sure there's going to be more to come. But this one is a 4K restoration of one of my favorite 80s movies, which is like disgustingly 80s. Like it is so 80s with the music. Um, the tune, yeah, the tunes and the the look and just the overall cheesiness of it all, and that's the 1986 film Rad. Do you remember that movie? Oh, I remember Rad. I used to watch that consistently. <clears throat> yeah, I had it on VHS. I don't have it on VHS anymore. But uh, a couple years ago, when I went to uh, South by, uh, we walked into Waterloo, and they had it on DVD, and I fucking got that, and I was so excited. Um, and I always say that. If I threw like a big movie party at my house, that would be the movie that I show. Or if I went to the Alamo and screened the film, that would be the one I show. I love that movie. So it's just a 80s bicycle movie. Um, that's just a, a, a lot of fun, very cheesy, but the same kind of sports movie formula that you've seen so many times, like Karate Kid. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, South by, do you think this will be your last year or are you going to keep going <laughs> as long as you can? I guess I'm just going to keep going as long as I can. Um, there was a lull year that I, I it was the year that Keanu came out, uh, the, the movie, not the actor. Um, that year sucked, um, <laughs> really bad. Like that was the year that we were like, man, none of the movies were really that good. We saw like maybe two that were, uh, truly great and then the rest of them were just like pretty bad and it was just a bummer year like nothing was working out for us and uh so we debated whether or not to go back the next year but then the lineup came out the next year and then we're like okay well we're gonna give it another fair shake and so now we've kind of like lightened up a little bit not try not to put so much pressure on ourselves because it can get very tricky if you don't know how to manage it very well because you'll go, oh, I got to go here, I got to go here, I got to see all these headliners. But usually the headliners are just a month early, so who gives a shit? Let's go see something that's not coming out for years or doesn't have distribution yet. Um, those tend to be the more fun ones for us. So we like to just branch out, go see things that we haven't really heard of, like the cast, like the filmmakers, like the what the log line is. And uh, we, we have fun that way. And then we also just go party or go stumble into a uh, free because there's always these free things going on. So we, we try to map it out in such a way where we don't have to pay for any food or drinks. Cause it's just, that's, that's what's also cool about South by is that it's not just uh, movies. They have like uh, advertising. They're trying to show off stuff, but we'll talk more about that once we get to the South by uh, area and I'll have more to report then. Sweet, sweet deal. Uh, I uh, that's, but I, that's happening in March. I should say that March yeah. 13th through the 22nd or something like that. South by Southwest, 
Preston and Cole hopefully will be reporting back to my bloody podcast for uh, all the horror goodness. Um, our last little bit of news very quickly. Um, the Scream Factory, we love Scream Factory. The Scream Factory company is releasing Idle Hands in a collector's edition no extras are announced yet, but I must say this is the coolest artwork they've ever done for a collector's edition. I love it so much. Uh, I kind of want a poster of this new artwork for Idle Hands. Well, just buy it early. Pre-order it now and you can get the poster, even though we, we review them. Do you request um, the, the, the the special edition ones with posters? Because I've tried, and only a couple of them I've gotten and i kind of want this poster um no i've never requested it just because I, I i just understood that they send that to the people who pay kind of like press versus vip um so i would have to order it special order it probably to do something like that i mean it doesn't hurt to probably ask um you can you can give it a shot but i'm sure it's in demand or will be and so they want to give it to the the paying peeps yeah that's it's an exciting release for sure cool 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 deal all right let's move on to my bloody questions very valentine sweet question this week i can't wait to see what preston came up with uh our our, our question this week in addition, or in relation to Valentine's Day, if you could give a Valentine gift to any horror movie character, who would it be and what would you give? So basically, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, if you could give a Valentine gift to your favorite character from a horror movie or TV show, what would you gift them? <laughs> it, would be, it would be great. And who would you gift it to? So, Preston, you, when we... We came up with this question. You had a great answer. I don't know if you're sticking with it, but you should definitely mention it if you're not, because it was really yeah. good. Yeah, I'll mention it. Uh, so uh, one of the ones that I came up with, or at least the one I came up with right away, was given Jason, Jason Voorhees, a Mother's Day card, um, <laughs> just to really rub it in. Or you could give him a uh, the, the, one of the cake, the cake from Creepshow. With her head, with Pamela's head on the cake. So enjoy that, Jason. Um, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy that, Jason. Just you, you, you're making him more evil. I feel like <laughs> that, that that would be the start of another sequel. I, sure. I like like this. me just giving that to him. Find it. Hey, Jason, I just I got a special delivery for you. Here you go, bud. And then he'll be like, what the hell is this? And then uh, he's just out for revenge. Uh, the Valentine's Day revenge. That would be it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I guess I would go with, seriously, um, the movie It Follows. I would gift whoever's in the next one to be killed by the invisible entity. Give him, him or her the Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. And I'm just curious, like what the hell would an invisible entity do if it's like protected in such a way like that and can't really like breach it? Do, do they become advanced and know how to break through the, the, the iron? I don't know. There's so many questions with that movie as much as I love it with uh, traveling overseas 
does the entity swim over there? Does it take that long or, or uh, does it hop on a plane? I, don't, I just don't know what the intelligence of the entity is, and I would want to <laughs> challenge that a little bit. I like that. I like that. That's, uh, that's pretty creative. You just want an Iron Man suit, I think. That it, would so, it would solve so many problems. All right, all right. I like it. Um, I, I, I'm curious if, if you think I went weird with this. Uh, I, come on. <laughs> come on. Who, who are we talking to here? No, I don't think I went weird with this. I just kind of had fun. I just was like, this would be fun to do. Did you actually go sweet on this one? I or did. is it like something to poke at them? I know I did. I, I went sweet with this and it would probably right. turn, turn up like horribly for me in the long run. Oh, really? But like, uh, like your, like your wife would divorce you because you, uh, got romantically involved with whatever gift you're giving this killer. No, 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 no. There, there's, a, there's always room for more. <laughs> uh, no, no, I think I would die. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You, the, He's the, like, oh, okay. It. I would gift you with my death. Uh, so I would give Jigsaw from the Saw movies a set of board games and have a game night set up for him. <laughs> and I feel like that would turn out terribly for me. <laughs> no. I want to play a real game where there's actual stakes. We're going to play Trap. We're going to play Candyland. We're going to play Shoots and Ladders. <laughs> you want to play a game. How fun would that be? Has there been a skit made of that? There should be. Jigsaw but, uh, playing board games. I think that would be fun. And he's terrible at it. He's terrible at it. <laughs> it's, it's like Death and Bill and Ted playing all the board games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so funny. So funny. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. So those were our, our Valentine's to our horror movie characters. Please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. If you have a Valentine you want to give to us or a horror movie character, but we brought this question to Reddit and we're going to read some of the answers replies. Uh, Jethro James said, I would give Samara from the ring a gift certificate to Supercuts. Maybe she wants bangs. Who knows? <laughs> that, yeah, that, that one was the one that made me chuckle. I haven't checked it in, in, since uh, I, I looked at it the first time, but that one, just the the delivery of it made me laugh. Yeah, that was uh, pretty, pretty great. Pretty great. Um, CJ87P said, Baby Firefly, her very own pair of glasses. So there you go. I like that. Movie Mike 007. I like Movie Mike 007. He's been with us, I think, since the beginning. He says, I'd give Freddy Krueger a vacation in the lovely resort of Silent Hill. I think he'd have a great time there. <laughs> Probably. Fetty Lounge said, I'd give any one of the girls in the craft a gift certificate to the store they really like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I guess malls aren't as uh, prevalent as they are as they were when that movie came out. So curious to where they would shop now. Right, right. I don't know. <laughs> Amazon. They would. They would. They would still. Go, they would go to um. Oh, what's that goth store? Hot topic. Hot topic. Spencers. There you go. <laughs> Spencers. <laughs> it, it, they've it kind of shifted and became the same store. Right. Uh, Spencers gifts. Jesus. Okay. Elliot enabled said. I'd want to give Jason Voorhees a Valentine card, a new machete, and maybe a teddy bear or something. 
poor guy probably grew up being the only kid that wasn't given a card considering how other kids in the movies responded to his looks before drowning him. I'd love to show the big guy some form of love at least once. If I or die, if he would stop being a killer. Right? And just be like, oh, you triggered something with your act of kindness. Elliot enabled. You are such a sweet, sweet man. He said, yeah. if I the die. The answer all along right? is love. Is love. Is, it's love. Oh, my God, Harry Potter. Okay. P <laughs> Pears Cargo. A waterproof chess computer and a bottle of whiskey for McCready in the thing. <laughs> I love that. I love that little thing. That was that was good. Uh, sack puncher <laughs> said, "I would give Ellison Oswald an eviction notice presented in ornate wrapping paper so he could get the hell out of the house and write a different book." And I'm trying to remember who Ellison Oswald is. I, I it's not ringing a bell. Let me look this up real quick. Ellison Oswald. Ellison Oswald. You know what? Everybody on uh, uh, listening to this show would probably like, how do they not know Ellison Oswald? I don't know. He's a true crime writer? Sinister. Okay. Mm. Uh, um, what's his name? Your 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 best friend. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ellison yeah, Oswald. I can, yeah, I'm not very good. I've never been good with character names, so okay. I always have, to, always have to look it up. There you Unless go. Unless they've done multiple sequels. Uh, Dropkick Ninja, who's been with us since the beginning, I think, as well, said Alice from the Resident Evil movies. She needs a hug. <laughs> and then all E-Boy... Them need hugs. Yeah, they all need hugs. And then E-Boy Myers said, I would get Jason Voorhees some fresh new clothes, maybe a card and some chocolates as well. Although he probably doesn't deserve it after committing multiple acts of homicide, I'd still like to show him some love. A lot of people for Jason Voorhees, man. Goodness. He's got a very famous uh, story of trauma. Right? He, he, well, yes, he does. Yes, yes, he does. Okay, that's our bloody question. Let's move on to Bloody Tunes, our, our, our newer, newer segment on the show, My Bloody Podcast, where we come up with a song uh, in relation to our main event, which is My Bloody Valentine. We want you to listen to this song because it reminds us of the movie in a good way. Somehow, my song, I'll go first, I thought, which probably nobody out there has heard of this band or this song, but I highly recommend you deep dive into this band because they are amazing. The band is called the Fiery Furnaces. I love them so much. I heart them. And the song I'm thinking about is Black Hearted Boy. Darling, Black Hearted Boy, all the colors Some of the lyrics in this song just stick out to me for My Bloody Valentine because My Bloody Valentine is about a killer going around killing people. Um, and so the lyrics of this song, you know, darling black-hearted boy, all the colors gone out of my ribbon loom. As I've only got the worst to assume, take your sheet metal shears, cut a slit up the side of my dress for the last time why your love confess. And it just like goes from there because it's kind of like dance and somebody's killing and it's about a guy. I don't know. It just reminded me of my bloody Valentine in this song, Black Hearted Boy is so cool and kind of experimental but also creepy i really like this song and i love this band the fiery 
Furnaces. Please check them out. Yes, Black Hearted Boy, The Fiery Furnaces. You'll love it. I think once you hear this song, you're like, okay, I'm in. I want more. So there you go. The Fiery Furnaces, Black Hearted Boy. Preston, your bloody tune of the week. I had two that popped into my head, but only one of them makes sense. <laughs> and now uh, I should say the first one I thought of just based off the title itself, but the song doesn't quite match what's going on in the movie mm-hmm. is uh, Michael Jackson's blood on the dance floor. Ooh, I love like, that song too. Yeah. Um, but just like that, that would be like a cool name for the movie, too. Uh, the, the, the serious one is pretty obvious. Uh, it's uh, The Misfits, Die, Die, My Darling. Because um, it, you know, associates itself a little bit with uh, calling your, your significant other or your lover uh, darling. Um, that's a good term to use for your lover on valentine's day um and then to keep with the movie uh you gotta die die so there you go there you go no it's a it's a great song i actually have that record on vinyl which is super very rare hard to find i love that album how pissed would you have been if i said uh by metallica (laughs) <laughs> by Metallica Ugh. I'm like what no it's what? not <laughs> Misfits <laughs> Misfits what oh I like it I like this a lot um, oh my goodness Bloodstains on the dance floor coming out with the Michael Jackson Do you? I'm glad you like I hope you like that song I do like it I like it's da, 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 da. <laughs> like that, that 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 sort of like tapping of the finger kind of uh, line delivery is pretty good it is good stuff. I like it uh, a lot. But they say that that song's about AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> that music video is super weird because it has Chris Tucker, Michael Jackson, and a very fat uh, Marlon Brando. <laughs> have you I seen the seen, video for I haven't it? seen that, but no, I'm going to have to watch that. Oh, no, no. It, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, Michael Jackson's good in it, and it's kind of like got Chris Tucker, like, you know, doing all these puns to Michael Jackson, and then you just have like a really fat Marlon Brando in the movie because Bloodstains on the Dance Floor was like one of his last albums um, in 2001 or before 2001, but it's like one of his last big music videos. So I remember when it came out. Oh my goodness. Okay, moving on to my bloody recommendations. Uh, I will go first. Um, I'm kind of going with a Valentine theme here. And uh, this uh, this this movie, this this kind of TV movie directed by Peter Weir from 1975. You know what I'm going with, Preston? I do not, but okay. I like that director. Uh, the Picnic at Hanging Rock. What we see and what we seem are but a dream, a dream within a dream. learn to love someone else apart from me, Sarah. I won't be here much longer. The girl. The boy. The school. The rock. 
fragments of a mystery from a summer long ago. Uh, very <laughs> creepy, creepy movie. Um, so this movie takes place on Valentine's Day where a girl's private school all the girls there and the teachers they're reading poetry and their valentine's cards and they're about to go have a picnic at hanging rock it <coughs> excuse me and then at some point uh while they're there all the girls disappear and die um in a mysterious way and the uh it's called picnic at hanging rock on Valentine's Day, and it's really crazy, and it ta- and it kind of follows like how all their deaths and stuff like that uh, affect the town and their families and stuff like that. It is really good, and uh, if you don't know this movie, Picnic at Hanging Rock, Sofia Coppola heavily borrowed pretty much almost everything from this movie and made Virgin Suicides. So, uh, Sofia Coppola... Hmm. And yeah. we study that one in film school. Which one? Virgin Suicides. Right. That was one of the movies I had to watch. Right. So, yes, Sofia Coppola definitely uh, loved Picnic at Hanging Rock and kind of made her own version of it with the Virgin Suicides. Uh, so, yes, yes, it is. And then um, Damon Lindelof actually said that the biggest influence for his TV show, The Leftovers, was this um, was this movie, Picnic at Hanging Rock. So it takes place on Valentine's Day. It's super eerie and creepy, and uh, it's really good. Um, I think you should check it out. Uh, it would good, go good with it as a double feature with our main feature presentation. But Preston... I can't wait to hear your bloody recommendation, good saw. Yeah, I went with one that is coming out uh, this weekend, well, before Valentine's Day uh, on February 7th, is uh, Come to Daddy. For how long has it been? A long time. A long time, yeah. I realize I know nothing about you. Boy, your mom really doesn't talk about me, does she? Oh, really? Aunt Tipson. I, I can't wait to see this. I have I, I have a link for this. I haven't watched it yet, but I want to watch it. Yeah, do watch it. So this movie, I saw it Fantastic Fest. It was one of the midnight films, and it comes from a director. This is his uh, directorial debut. He's uh, produced and worked on, in some capacity, the ABCs of Death, Deathgasm, uh, Greasy Strangler. Uh, the, this movie is actually written by one of the screenwriters of Greasy Strangler. Uh, Ant Timpson, he uh, based this movie off the death of his father, so thinking in terms of It Comes uh, at Night, uh, which also was a horror movie that was developed. I wouldn't classify Come to Daddy as, as much of a horror film, even though it, it, it exists. Like It starts out that way, and then it just becomes a lot of fun. So you can make an argument, um, as I will. It, it was based off of the death of his, his dad, and he was going through the grieving process, and he wanted to make a movie about it. And uh, he got together with one of the writers, uh, Toby Harvard of The Greasy Strangler, and developed this uh, film. Uh, there's, they had a little bit of going back and forth because um, Ann Timpson wanted to make something a little more serious and rotten, as uh, he said when I interviewed him at Fantastic Fest. And then if you've seen movies like The Greasy Strangler, there, there's a there's a dark comedic aspect to the film. 
and he wasn't as open to it initially. And so there was a little bit of push and uh, they they found like a little bit of a happy medium. And uh, the movie is uh, a a lot of fun. Uh, It's it's about um, I should say it starts it stars Elijah Wood and Elijah Wood looks like an all grown up version of that main kid from the children of children of the corn. Like he has that, that same like Pharaoh type of hat and uh, he has a creepy mustache and like a friar boy haircut. And he looks like he shops at urban outfitters and steals from Kanye's closet. Um, he's, he's a bit of a douche, which is a lot of fun. Um, so the movie is about him getting a letter from his dad, uh, his a- absentee father, I should say, um, hasn't seen him in a long, long time, doesn't even know what he looks like, and uh, goes to this like remote location in, uh, I want to say Oregon, and uh, it's by like the seaside, and he gets out there, knocks on the door, and then it's uh, Scott, uh, I think it's Scott McHattie, right, is that right? Joe? St- no, Stephen McHattie. Sorry. Um, he plays the dad and he has like this aggressive, dangerous kind of approach uh, with his son. He's very like Manson like saying like these weird things and making him feel uncomfortable. Uh, there's a fantastic scene uh, pretty early on uh, where he's trying to figure his son out and just kind of testing him a little bit to see if he'll open up to him in, uh, in, in some way that, that whole character arc to Elijah Wood um, of it. I'm not going to spoil any of the, the, the secrets to it, but just the ride that it takes you on. It's a bit of a slow burn, but the last 30 minutes of it are just complete insanity where it feels like two different movies. And those tend to be like my favorite kind of films where it just starts out one way and then you're just like, what the fuck is this thing uh, anymore? And it's just one of those films. Uh, it gets, it's really funny and um, disturbing and just really cool to see the, the direction that Ant Tipson takes this um, from being something that's pretty funny. And then it just becomes completely absurd, but it, it has, it's still grounded in, in a way as well. So, um, that has come to daddy and I believe it's playing in select theaters. Like you can maybe check Alamo listings, Alamo draft house. Otherwise I believe you can get it on digital. All right. All right. Yeah. I am looking forward to seeing it for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, real quickly, I'll follow up on uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I finished it. Um, It's probably my favorite season thus far. The ending is pretty familiar with a certain Marvel film, but um, it's still a lot of fun the way that... The, the directions that certain characters go in, uh, the, their development and relationships that clash or come together, like that that whole thing has been pretty interesting. And just as I've been saying all along, the, it has a dark, great dark direction and it, take, it goes to some really fascinating places. Um, so I enjoyed it. Good, good, good. Season three on Netflix now. Check it out. Preston loved it. 
All right. Let's get to our main event, shall we? Yes. 1981's My Bloody Valentine. Oh, my gourd. It's a bad time, this time of year. How many times is he going to tell this story? Oh, let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool. (laughs) The first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. Look, Landers, you've got to get a lot of exercise if you're going to grapple with Gretchen. Oh, yeah? Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never going to (laughs) forget. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. Directed by George Mihalka, who, um... Hasn't done. He's done a few things, but nothing we'd rather we'd really have ever. Nothing too popular, I must say. I say my bloody Valentine in our world is probably his uh, biggest thing that he's done. Uh, and yes, it stars uh, Paul. Yeah, it's not even the movie that pops up on his IMDb. Right. Yeah. No, it's weird. Uh, Neil Affleck, no relation. <laughs> Alf Humphreys, Patricia Hamilton, screenplay by John Beard. Um, which uh, he wrote Happy Birthday to Me, but that's almost about it. It's kind of like a very low-budget film that is... Well, let's, let's, just, let's just get into it, shall we? Revisiting this movie years later, I mean, I, of course, I was born in 81. I didn't see it when it came out, but I saw it, you know, in my childhood, and I really liked it. I liked, like, the cheapness of it. I liked... Uh, like this like nostalgic very gritty feel to it um how and- funny is it that last week we did ghost on the birth year of me and then this one on the birth year of you i know Ooh, that's kind of weird i like it so Continue. it's weird yeah so does it hold up does this movie hold up because a lot of these horror movies that are kind of like cheesy and stuff do they hold up and i'm gonna say yes it holds up in like a like a cheesy, funny way. Like, I don't think this movie is scary at all. It's just, it's more like you can laugh at it and funny. And there's some really great and hilarious, like, practical effects in the way they kill people here. Uh, and just, you don't see too many movies where a serial killer is in a cave and people are dying in a cave and stuff like that. Or even takes place on Valentine's Day. So, does it hold up? In an aspect that it wasn't meant for, maybe? Yes, for sure it does. I still love this movie. Um, but is it scary? No. Preston, what do you think? Uh, exactly what you said. <laughs> the, I rest my case. Ditto. Um, ditto, like ghosts. Ditto. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Yeah, um, it, it had been a long time since I've seen it because it's not a very easy movie to find. Uh, they're really expensive, especially if you're a advocate for physical media um but thank thank you scream factory um so yeah uh watching it today um just as you said like it's it's enjoyable to watch because it's funny not scary i mean there's a lot of 
really bad dialogue, really bad acting in this that is just like, hey, my wife watched it with me uh, last night and we were just cracking up at certain lines. Like they're very dramatic. Um, One line is like, uh, all right, everyone, if you just listen to everything that I have to say, just follow what I do. We'll get out of here. And then the girl's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And like, were you not just fucking listening? Um, a lot of stuff like that. Um, it's very much one of those movies where the characters are idiots. Right. Time. Be- be- yes, they, they are. It's of course, like most horror movies. Yeah. Like, why? What, what are you doing? Why are you going that way? Like, everybody like reacts in this like weird way. Like, when the character dies or they find somebody dead, they're like. Oh, they all just like kind of stay there. They don't run. And there's even a moment where somebody gets killed and then the, the, the surviving person uh, just in the next scene is shown walking down the, the mine. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? So it's like th- these people want to die. They deserve to die. So it's fun <laughs> for that. It's fun for that. You, you heard it from Preston. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So, uh, the, the plot of this movie, if you're unaware, so there, it all, it's Halloween, man. Yeah, 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 it's, it's ridiculous. So there, uh, you, you tell this, you tell this, um, this, <laughs> this plot because it's, okay. it's too ridiculous. It, it involves mining in miners in a in a Valentine's Day dance and nobody listening to supposed threats. If there is a dance, people will die, but they're gonna do it anyway. Like it just it makes no sense, but Preston, go ahead. Okay, sure. So it is about um this town called is it Valentine's Bluff? Yeah, Valentine Bluffs. Valentine Bluffs. Okay. <laughs> So it's it's in Canada. So they all talk like this. Uh, that was more Italian. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched too much Fargo and all that lately, so the accent's not in my ear at the moment. But you're like, yeah. Um, so uh, they're going down in the mine, you know. Um, so this it's a very small town. Like everybody knows your name, and. Uh, the, the mines uh, is what makes the town thrive and survive and have economic growth. And so everybody is they're not they're not in high school, right? They're just older kids unless they're just like 20 year old high schooler. I don't know. Uh, did they really establish that? Um, I don't did they I don't think so. I mean, one of them is a big dude that has a mustache, but I guess that that's been like a thing that goes on with a lot of the high school movies from like the 80s until like today where they made greater efforts to get kids the age that they should be but uh they don't really establish it so it can't really be that much of a problem but um all these kids or 20 something year olds work at a uh, work at a mine um but they do not celebrate valentine's day until this year they haven't celebrated it in 20 years, because 20 years ago, there was an accident in the mine shaft where uh, it collapsed. There was an explosion from the methane. And so six, I believe it was six miners are trapped 
and uh, they've been trapped for six weeks. And then they dig it up and they find one survivor, um, Henry Gold, Henry Golding. Is that his name? Yes. Um, and he uh, survived by being a cannibal, eating the other people. Right. Um, and so uh, from there, that that just was a very traumatic experience to, for him, just like Jason, just like Michael. Um, or I guess Michael's a little different, but more like Jason. Um, and uh, so each year from there, for a certain amount of years, he uh, would kill people on Valentine's Day because that's the whole reason why this accident happened was because two supervisors wanted to get to the dance early. Apparently this dance is just the shit. Um, and they wanted to get to it early. And so this accident happened. So he wants to kill everybody who wants to enjoy that dance. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) so now we cut to 20 years later. Apparently he's been in a mental institution, but he may, uh, this movie posits that maybe he got out. Right. And, what, what, uh, this, what this movie predisposes is maybe he didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little Wes Anderson um, humor. So, uh, yeah, yeah 20, 20 years later, they're, they're kicking off the dance again because that's the town's name and they want to put a little more boogie in it. And um, that's it. So they're trying to set up for the dance. Got new yeah. stock of kids, and uh, they may be killed. Well, they, the funnier thing is, is that they're cl- everybody's clearly being warned to not do it. And yeah, the damn a- bartender. That's all he does yeah. every night is tell the tale, and they're like, "All right, old man." Don't, Tell us the tale again. Don't do it. And then, of course, they're doing it, and people die. And it's, it's that's that's basically the gist of the movie. Uh, so, the general thoughts on the movie itself, uh, for, from us, like our thoughts, I, I still enjoy this on almost like every element of it, like for its like bad things that it has going for it, as well as its good things. It just seems like they're... And all the Moosehead beer. Yes, all the Moosehead beer. And they actually filmed uh, in uh, mining shafts and caves, which we'll talk about later. And uh, I would... Let's... I mean, let's talk about um, kind of like... Kind of like our favorite scenes right now, because my favorite scene, of course, is the washer and dryer uh, Uh, death scene. I mean... In no movie, really, do you get killed in a washateria where you're washing and drying your clothes. But somebody does here, and then somebody finds the dead body in a dryer, still tumbling in horrific fashion. And it They're is, fried. Yeah, it is so funny to watch. And I, I, I love this. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I love that scene. I love that it just takes place there, because I don't think any other horror movie has that going for it. Ah, oh, yes. Really. That's an original creation. For it, sure. it is, and I don't think it's been redone. So, uh, Preston, what what was another one of your highlight scene highlights? Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of uh, silly moments that I enjoyed. Um, there was uh, one of the killing scenes that's very much lifted from Halloween, where a couple goes into this uh, area where the, the miners shower and there's all these uh, all this clothes that are hanging that that are the suits hanging above them 
and you can like pull them down and they fall. Um, so this couple, they're having, they're about to get into it, but, uh, they want to have a beer just like Halloween have to go get the dude's got to go get a beer. And then the woman, uh, wants to, st- or, she wants to go, but the man insists that she stays. Um, and then there's a, there's a great murder scene, uh, with, uh, the, the woman getting shish kebobbed essentially with her head. Um, so that, that one was just, just all the buildup to it happening was just silly. And then the execution of it is really fun. Um, especially with the, the gore cut or uncut version of the film where you can actually see the practical effects, um, of her getting stabbed in the eye. Kind of, it made me think of uh, Terminator 2 when uh, Todd gets killed by the T-1000 with the finger and then his body kind of shakes a little bit. And so you see that sort of it. So it brought a little bit of realism to the death scenes uh, versus some of the other ones where it's like a pickaxe because that's the, the murderer's weapon of choice uh, going through the head and popping out the eyeball. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff like that and just – goofy dramatic moments with like one of the couples going out to this, I guess the actual bluffs um, and uh, staring out and like, do you remember this spot? And then like, I don't care. I don't know. There's just like all these like soap opera moments that are a lot of fun and goofy. No, I love it. And I also love that. I mean, if you want to eat things while watching this movie, you should eat hot dogs because there's a hot (laughs) dog scene and there's, actual human hearts in there <laughs> yeah it's uh it makes me think of i mean there's so many copycat films after after this or just funny to see like how much of them are lifted from halloween yeah and then kind of follow this too uh it was a movie that i recommended not too long ago uh, uh what was it called night the night watcher i'm butchering that title i'll look it up here in a second but it has a killer wearing a motorcycle helmet and somebody dies with getting their face fried just like that or um one of the jason movies in the hot tub right right one like that or halloween sorry that's halloween too yeah and i, um, I you know, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. And do do you think this movie is kind of like hardcore because like, like they there's ta- like the survivors went to cannibalism and like some of the deaths are pretty gruesome and brutal, don't you think? <clears throat> yeah, but they're very brief. Yeah, they it's are very like, brief. Uh, like the scene with the cannibalism, I feel like that could have been a more haunting element to the story uh later on but it's just like one brief shot like you just see that and you're like oh like if you're not really thinking about it uh i don't think it's like mentioned um because everybody just wants to put it in the rear view uh or you have that mayor that's just like uh, of uh, amityville that's like hey uh no 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 nobody bring it up and uh we're just gonna nip this in the bud um so it's not really just expanded upon when it could be like something that's truly haunting that you know, over campfire stories or something like that. Yep. There, there you go. Oh, and that movie I was talking about was night school, night school. Yes. Night school. Oh, always good. Um, so do you think this movie was wholly original for 1981 or do you think it was just kind of on the bandwagon of like all the, like the big slasher movies that were real popular or were becoming popular Um, at the time? I mean, it's very, it sticks to the slasher formula. 
very much so. So it's it's difficult for me because I I mean I was born nine years later, so I kind of because night school came out like 1981, I too I believe as well, and you know Friday the Thirteenth the year before and stuff like that, and so um, it it just kind of follows the formula. But I, I feel like it advances it in some ways um like for instance the the style of the the way that the movie shot um it does a little bit of the killer pov just like halloween and then it's got you know pieces of black christmas um there's there's a little more focus on the characters even though it's not exceptionally great but at least it makes a little bit of effort uh compared to others where, you know, I was just describing earlier, uh, or, or not really earlier, but there's other horror movies out there where they, they, uh, they're just dumb and completely, uh, disposable. Um, but they at least try to create some bit of drama for them and they, they feel, uh, different. Like you got the goofball guy and then the one that's a little bit quiet, but has a lot on his mind and, uh, wants the pretty girl. And then, um, so there's distinct features or characteristics to each of the characters uh, that that makes it a little more different. And I guess the way that it's shot is a, a little bit different than what we've seen before, mixing it up a little bit. But um, other than that, not not too much. Um, the 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 story unfolds in the same kind of way where it's like the Scooby Doo thing of like who actually is the killer, and then. Um, so and is, it, is it, that even a big, uh, a, a big thing? Um, well, my wife, my wife hadn't seen it. I, I mean, I, I knew who the killer was, uh, the true identity of the killer. So I guess at this point, uh, come on, uh, we're, we're going to have fun and open it up a little bit, spoil yeah. it. Um, so it ends up being Axel, one of the, one of the guys who has a little bit of a love triangle going on with another, uh, dude and girl and, um, so they, uh, my wife figured it out like pretty early on is like, cause, cause they're, I, we, we learned from the special features that each of the actors were told uh, that they didn't get the last few pages of the script. So they didn't know like who was actually the killer, but they just said everybody portrayed as if they're the killer. Um, so there's like things about them that like either anger or, uh, depression or just some sort of thing that kind of hints at that it could be them. And then as you know, then people start getting killed. Um, it's obviously not, not the fat guy, um, built on based off the, the killer's build. Um, uh, that, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much just like all that comes to mind. I don't think it's, uh, that much of a stretch to that it ends up being the person that it is. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. So, uh, some, we, we talked about the, the mining shaft, a little behind the scenes stuff here for the film, since they did film in a real mine shaft cave, they were scouting locations and they found this mine cave. The filmmakers found this mine mining shaft that like just looked decrepit and creepy and all sorts of stuff. Had and recently just shut down. Yeah, recently just shut down. So when the town that this shaft was in, that's what she said, um, the uh, the townsfolk, before the film crew came to film there, cleaned it up like spotless for them. And that is not what they wanted. So they had to like go somewhere else. It's It was really funny. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting, uh, you know, if I have to knock this Scream Factory release a little bit, they interview all the actors and uh, the director, but they ask them all the same fucking question. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get the same story over and over again with just like a little bit of more insight. Yeah. So uh, they each talk about um, how this is what separates uh, the 1901 original from the 2009 remake is that they actually shot down there in the elements and it, it gave it uh, more uh, stakes and made it feel more scary in that sense, even though it's not really that scary, but just knowing that the information behind it makes it that more daring for them. Cause they couldn't really focus on the fact that, Hey, you know, the, the way that this movie begins could also be something that happens to them with uh, a spark uh, causing an explosion and just being down there 2,000 feet and 600 feet below sea level um, right. is, is, is a bit scary. And they had to use like a certain type of light, low watt light bulb and to, to light it and get uh, cameras that could take in good light using the the what the director thinks is the same camera that Stanley Kubrick used in Barry Lyndon. Um, so that, that makes some, uh, interesting efforts to make it seem more realistic and taking this Larry Cohen type of approach of going, going, really going in it. Um, but, uh, this leads me to believe, uh, that it's, it's even more goofy that this, the, the girls, they want to go down there and I guess it's the place to go have sex. Uh, the guys, <laughs> the guys spend all their time there and why they want to go down there again, I, I guess just outside of, uh, it being Valentine's day and it being scarier that way. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's something. It, it, it is something else. And this movie just still, I, I still enjoy this movie. I try to watch it at least once a year. Um, so the the movie, you know, they made a sequel or a remake of it. Uh did you like it? The remake? Yeah. Mm, not really. There there's there's some <clears throat> effects that look okay, but uh no, not not as much. Right. I I always go back to this one cuz I think it's like just more brutal, I think, and just more fun to watch and not doesn't yeah, take the, itself seriously. Yeah, the practical effects look good. Yes, they do. They do. And uh, I'm just I, – I just love that this movie – I just love that this movie, the MPAA, just tried to cens- or censor this yeah, so much. It. Yeah, completely. Because when you watch it, you're like, okay, there's nothing to that bad. But like – like Preston said with the cannibalism scene, like it just was a real quickly, but I mean, what if we got like a two hour cut of this movie and it was just carnage completely kind of like, uh, <laughs> kind of like event horizon hell scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would, <clears throat> that would be pretty interesting or to get even more of the, the backstory of him actually doing the killings of people when the bartenders telling the story. Right, right. Uh, I, or just like this weird, just this weird moment when they go down to um, uh, the mines, and then uh, like Henry 
because he got trapped, they found like this special part where it's like a, an opening to hell. And that's what caused him to really become a demented person. Right. Nope. Yep. It's, it's good. My bloody Valentine episode 80. I can't believe it. Uh, I, I recommend this movie highly and get it from Scream Factory. There is a great collector's edition of this movie. Uh, you liked it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yes, 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 indeed. And, and if you want to want to watch a really funny, goofy video of me reviewing the movie on YouTube, you're, you can, you can do that. <laughs> Complete with all sorts of clips and funny moments in the video. Where can you find that, Brian? Oh, you porn. <laughs> no, you can just go to YouTube, type in my name, Brian Kluger, and you will find all the videos, including my bloody Valentine Blu-ray review. <laughs> all right. You will like it. Uh, so, yeah, that wraps up our 80th episode, My Bloody Valentine, on my bloody podcast. And we want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Buy this movie straight from Scream Factory because you will love it. If you don't have it, please get it. Uh, I know Press and I love this movie. And one day, Press and I are going to have a weekly horror movie marathon. Hopefully in the near future. Maybe this will be on it. But here's to 80 more episodes, Preston. Cheers. Cheers, yes. I'm Brian Kluger on Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, reviewing all the fun stuff, horror, movie, wrestling, music-wise, and, of course, this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And, of course, Preston is sending you all the Valentine's hearts and cards this week from... The Denton Record Chronicle, where I'm the film critic of, and I'm also the features editor of FreshFiction.tv, and on FreshFiction.tv, you can find my interview piece with Aunt Tipson for Come to Daddy. So go there, and you can find me. find me there. Sweet deal. We'll be back next week with episode 81, and we're very excited about it. Uh, 81 episodes. Maybe maybe even better. Maybe the best hasn't even happened yet. We haven't peaked yet in this podcast, have we? Uh, I'm not very good at explaining myself, so probably not. <laughs> Preston is always good at explaining himself. That's why we love him. Uh, until next week, happy Trust Valentine's Trust me, folks, Day. I'm not winging it. <laughs> He's winging it. I love to be his wingman anytime. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon.